0: So guys, I'm so excited about today's episode because today we're talking about how to make your rental house or apartment or dorm room feel like a home. I'm excited about this episode because I know while so many of us want to create a space that feels warm and welcoming and like us, we don't always know where to start. Often we start on Pinterest, but the images on there are so styled and so perfect, it can leave us feeling overwhelmed and intimidated instead of inspired especially if you live in a small space or a space you're renting so you can't exactly like rip down walls to create a great open floor plan. And when you're working on a tight budget, the idea of making your space your own starts to feel way too hard to actually do. That's why I'm so excited about today's episode. Our guest for today's episode is Michael Lynn Smith, also known as The Nester. Michaelin is an author and a lover of all things home. She teaches us how to create cozy, inviting spaces that feel like home, no matter what season of life we're in. And she actually has a ton of experience doing this with rental houses of all shapes and sizes. And so she has so much to share with us today. She also has a new book out called Welcome Home, a cozy minimalist guide to decorating and hosting all year round. And she has some awesome tips for seasonal decorating that you guys are just gonna love. In today's episode, we talk about how to make our rental space or apartment feel homey and more like us. We talk about how to make a small living space more functional and cozy. We talk about how to do all of those things on a budget. We talk about what kinds of furniture or decor we should actually invest in and what honestly isn't worth it. And how to easily transition our home between different seasons. And no, it doesn't include buying 475 pumpkins for our front porch. You guys are gonna love this episode. Michael Lynn has such great advice for us. But before we dive in, every resource I wanted to make sure to share with you We haven't talked about this in a while, but it's my book called The Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and here's what it's all about. The Lipstick Gospel Devotional is a 90-day devotional to help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. In this devotional, we talk about how to consistently spend time with God and feel connected to Him well beyond your morning quiet times. We talk about how to trust the plans God has for your life and how to figure out what those plans even are. We talk about how to step into your God-given identity, feeling beautiful and good enough in your skin. We talk about how to keep your faith strong in the midst of transition, uncertainty, and really hard days. We talk about how to add more delight, more joy, and even more whimsy to your everyday life, and so much more. This devotional is the perfect companion as you're diving deeper into the Bible, or if you're looking to grow in your faith these days, I would just love to share this with you. To pick up a copy, just go to smaywilsonshop.com or you can click the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at Esme Wilson over on Instagram. All right, friends, with all that said, let's jump into this episode. Here's my conversation with Michael and Smith. Friends, I'm super excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Michael and Smith, um, who's someone I have just followed and loved for, for years now. Um, she is someone who inspires me like crazy when it comes to making my house a home. Um, and so I'm so, so happy to have you on the show today, Michael, and thanks for being here. Oh my
1: goodness. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, For women who uh, don't follow all of your things yet, which they're going to in about five minutes, tell us who you are, what you do, and I would love a fun fact about you.
1: <laughs> okay, well, my name is Mike Willin. It has a Q in it. It's so strange. And then I married a Smith. So my name is like an oxymoron. And then 13 years ago when I went online, I was terrified to use my original weird one of a kind name. So I went by the nester online. So sometimes if you run into the nester, that would be me as well. But um, my goal is to help women in their home, whatever situation that is. Most of us are not in our dream home or in some type of imperfect circumstance. And so I tell, uh, I say that I want to help women create the home they've always wanted so that they can use it the way they've always dreamed. And as far as a fun fact, I know I'm like the home person, but um, I always, no matter what situation I am in, this is the fun, this is like the weird fact, or like the you won't believe it fact. It's not that unbelievable. But um, the thing I always say is that we have moved 14 times. My husband and I have married 25 years, and we've moved 14 times in 25 years of marriage. So that's my fun fact. Okay, that is a lot of moving. <laughs> that
0: is crazy and also makes total sense why Like, I feel like when we go through something or when we've had to learn something the hard way, a lot of times it's that much like that's that's when we know it well enough to teach it. And so that makes total sense to me why, like, you've had to really study how to make a house a home, especially imperfect ones, because I'm guessing that those all those 14 different homes like weren't your favorite ever.
1: You are 100% exactly right. I, you know, at the time I'd be like, oh, I would rather learn this at design school. And I did, I did a year of design school, then I, then I dropped out. And my husband got his master's degree and I had babies. But, um, the best way to learn is learning by doing, learning by doing it wrong. So I have made every mistake a couple times. I've painted <laughs> the walls seven times in the same room. I've uh, measured once, cut like ten times. I've bought the mirror that was too small. I've broken the mirror. I've returned the rug. Like all of those things, I have learned by doing it wrong, paying the price, and that's when the lesson really, really sticks. I think.
0: Yep. Okay. I I love that. Well, so tell us. You know. I'm so excited to talk to you today because I think a lot of times when we talk about making a house a home or designing a space we feel like we have to like go totally HGTV on a place. So we're like knocking down walls, creating open concept, like, you know, all of the buzzwords, creating a space for entertaining. Um, But, yeah. but a lot of times, like, you know, we're living in apartments or we're living um with roommates and, you know, we're, we're living in a rented space. And a lot of times I feel like the only like We either have a rented space that we get to decorate or we just have one room. Like we just have a bedroom that's ours. And so I'm really, really excited to talk to you today because I know that you have some really incredible ways that you've learned of, of making a place that you might, you might not totally own, um, or a small space, like still your own. So what did, what did some of those, like to kind of start out, what kind of places were you guys living in over those 14, Different moves. Like, what kinds of houses have you made homes over the years?
1: I'm so glad you asked. No one ever asks me that. And I'm so glad. And even in uh, the very first book that I wrote, it's called Nesting Place. And the tagline is, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. They let me put the publisher let me put a picture of every house we've lived in, and some look like I mean, they're crazy. They are crazy, and but it's part of our story. And so most houses were rentals that we've lived in. We've owned, I think we're on our third house that we've owned. And the house we're currently in is a fixer-upper. So it's got some complete places, mostly incomplete places. um, But we've lived here for seven years. It is the longest by far we've ever lived in a home. But um, the first book that I wrote, I wrote when we lived in a rental for four years. So we have rented many houses, probably maybe nine or so houses, apartments, townhomes, condos. Uh, We even rented a house that we owned at one time. So I've been on both sides of that. We've owned a few houses. We've lived like Really quickly, you know, in university housing, at one point we lived in a tiny house before it was like cool to your mother-in-law, you know, (laughs) it was just like a weird, a weird tiny house, um, converted two car garage, like all kinds of places. And again, I'm really, really grateful for all those opportunities. Looking back, I, can I remember my zip code? Not always, (laughs) 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 but, uh, I, I, Love the fact that, you know, even the fact that you mentioned like, oh, HGTV and people are knocking down walls. And, but one thing about those shows that we can learn is I can remember like sitting and watching a show, and on one episode, like they paint the front door is blue. And so they're like, we need to change. We're going to paint the front door white. And the next episode, the front door is white. And they're like, we need to make this pop. We're going to paint it blue. And so you think, wait a second, there's no, there's no like right or wrong. Sometimes we just need a change in our life. And I think, like you said, Whether you are living in the basement of your parents' house, or you just bought a 4,000 square foot home and you don't know where to begin, you know, sometimes what we need in the power of changing a few things in our environment is just a sense of change, and that we have something in our life that we can have a little bit of control over, like the paint of our door or like what we're hanging over our bed and making it personal and making it feel ours. And that is so empowering. And I never want to discount the feelings, the emotions, the sense of place that we can create with just a little effort in just a little place. Mm,
0: I love everything about that. Um, I, I don't know if the the girls listening know this about me, but um, I would say that like, you know, when people ask you your hobbies and at some point it's like kind of hard, like in some seasons of life, it's easy to answer. In some seasons, it's kind of hard to answer. You're <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, like I work and I like... I I don't know. I don't know what is, what yeah, like what counts as a hobby? But I feel like probably one of my biggest hobbies is home design. Like it's not something I'm naturally gifted at. It's something I'm like learning a lot about, but it's the kind of thing that like I could spend all of my time thinking about it and trying things and trying to get better. And like, I just, it's something I'm super interested in and something I like really, really value Um, and something I'll never be like excellent at, which is great. So I'll never be like, A design, like a home design expert, or anything like that. But there's something really fun about being like, I really like this. Also, I'll never be an expert, so there's no pressure,
1: you know. I love that, and I really feel that. I don't know that anyone's, you know, born with a decorating gene or whatever you want to call it. But I believe that really all decorating is, is making logical decisions in the right order. And it can be so fulfilling. It can be so fun. Can it feel scary? Yes, it can. And I think that's good to know going in because sometimes if we're getting to pick a paint color for our room and it gets tricky or it gets difficult or we paint the wall and we don't like it, we feel like, oh, I'm horrible at this, which is not true. So Yes, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that everything always works out. But what a great place to learn to take a risk. Buy a $30 can of paint. If you hate it, it's okay. You Mm -hmm. can do it over. And so I think home is such a great metaphor for life in that way. Oh, I love that. Well, so we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to like zoom
0: out just a little bit more and hear kind of your, like your philosophy on this. Well, you know, some people I feel like just live in houses, you know, like they they don't think about making it look a certain way or feel a certain way, but I, but I think there's really something to investing in it and and making it your own. And so, why does why does it matter that our houses feel like home? Or like why does why does what can design do for us as dwellers in a
1: place? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and I I do think there are two kinds of people in the world. Like I think that some people. Maybe their home does not have an effect on them and more power to them. They're probably already stopped listening to this episode, (laughs) but there are some of us who are really, really affected by what we're surrounded by. And I know, I don't know if you've read the book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, but he says, it's funny, every book has some design advice if you look for it, He says, environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. And I think that is so true. Our environment has such an effect on us. Uh, the color of the walls, how much natural light we have, the placement of the furniture, you know, and he talks about that more in a marketing way, like, oh, if you're a grocery store and you put the, the fruit out, then people are going to grab it. But if you hide it in the back, you're going to be less likely to sell it. So he's looking at it from that way, but we can look at it as far as like our livelihood and the kind of life we want to have and what we value. And if, you know, if we're in a period of life where we're exhausted and maybe we're going to make our bedroom a sanctuary, or maybe we're going to really make sure home is a place of rest and of peace and of simplicity, or maybe we're in a really busy time. And so we need our home to be high functioning and, you know, really organized. So all of those different things, home can partner with us in our life. And so I think to recognize that is really smart. I think that actually paying attention is the first step in good design or even making any decisions in your house. Yeah. I really like that.
0: It's funny because I, I feel like I really notice like the, the effect, my, my house really does have an effect on me. Like if it's messy or if it's um, cluttered, if we like, you know, haven't done a, a you know, goodwill run in, in too long, or, you know, if there are places that like feel unfinished or where there's just like a piece of I don't know, something that I just like a decor piece. I just sort of like left there, but never kind of thought about (laughs) those things. Like, I don't know, like sometimes I feel them really kind of detracting from my focus or my joy or things like that. But I think even more, I find the opposite to be true. Like when I really put some time into something or when I, you know, buy something really intentionally that like I put a lot of thought into and I really love it um, or I, you know, I pick A painting or, you know, something like that, a photo to put on the wall that I've really thought through. Like it brings me joy for years. Like every time I look at it, I feel like I just feel this kind of sense of, of enjoyment of it. And, and it's cool because the more, like the longer I've lived in this house, the more pieces of my house like bring me kind of that joy on a daily basis. And it's just a really cool feeling. And, and I feel like, you know, my, my environment really does impact how I feel
1: just in like day to day life. It makes perfect sense to me. And I I have an online community of women who are like, we call ourselves the cozy, the cozy minimalist community. And one of the things that we talk about is exactly what you just said is to look around your house and notice those things that you get a lot of joy out of. Maybe it's a bookshelf that you got at the Goodwill for $25 and you painted it white and it's in your living room and you have your favorite books, like whatever that is, it informs future decisions. And so, you know, if you have a hand me down piece of furniture or if you have maybe a bouquet that you made from your yard, like to really pay attention to that and know what brings you joy in your home is really, I think it's so important and not just to overlook that. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Well, so while there are
0: a lot of things that we like cannot do in an apartment or rental home or like, you know, our parents' basement, like what can we do to make our space feel homey and like us? Like what are a few small, simple things that we can do that would make a big difference? And then also what are some bigger projects that we might not have thought of because we, you know, we're just thinking like, well, I can't really do anything.
1: Well, I, a horrible place to start is thinking about all the things you cannot do. It is, and let me tell you how I know <laughs> because <laughs> I have been there and it, I use the excuse, uh, I had used the excuse a lot like, oh, we're minting, so I hate this carpet and I can't paint the walls and I can't, they have blinds that I don't like. So if you start dwelling on all the things you can't do, it is the worst. But when it comes to making changes in your home, you can make changes through. Uh, a budget. If you have money, you can make changes through creativity. You can make changes because you're inspired by something you see on Pinterest. Maybe you have a lot of time on your hands, especially right now, maybe just something in your schedules change. And so you have time to uh, spend a little bit more time researching or creating something or shopping at the Goodwill or looking on Facebook marketplace. Um, or maybe you have more control. Maybe you are able to paint your walls, whatever color you want, pull up the carpet that you hate and paint the subfloor, whatever it is, I think you really hit the nail on the head Was just first figure out what, what you do have the freedom to do. What do you have right now? Is it time? Is it creativity? Is it freedom? Is it inspiration? And then go from there. Uh, and there are a million and one things that you can do in your home, but I think Thinking about what is it that you need right now that would bring you joy? And I always start with a Pinterest board, just an old-fashioned It's not outdated. We used to do it when I was, you know, before Pinterest with (laughs) magazines. But to really get inspired, I think we can underestimate uh, the power of inspiration. And we don't look at it and say, oh, that that person has a $4,000 copy table and I could never get that. So forget it. No, we look at it and we roll our eyes and we say, oh my gosh, that person, they thought that coffee table was worth $4,000. That's ridiculous. I can go down. I saw on the side of the road that there was something I could use (laughs) as a coffee table. I'm going to paint it that same color and get 10 times those fools. And so it's about applying it to our own situation. Uh, But the practice of looking at something and being inspired and not feeling like we can only find joy if we can copy that. So that, you know, really differentiating between copying and being inspired. It was our job to be inspired and put ourselves in inspiring situations and so I know it's probably not the the answer maybe you expected like oh I think you should paint your walls an ombre color which you could you should you should do that (laughs) Um, but it really it all begins like inside in our head in our heart in our room um, with what what we need how we need it to function and what's bothering us and what we need Uh, a little change. And for me, no matter what project I'm doing, if I want to change the plants in my front porch container, if I am tackling, um, like we just had one of our sons move out to college. So if I'm like redoing his room, I always, always, always start on Pinterest and get inspired there. So I can kind of have an idea of what my goal is. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What are like, you know, when you think back to
0: some of your favorite projects that you've done in in houses, especially like the most imperfect ones. What are some, like, what are some things that you, just to kind of get our wheels turning of like possibilities, what are some things that you tackled maybe first where it's like you walk into a house and you go, okay, like I always change the light fixtures or something like that, you know, or I always change, my, you know, my first go-to is just to buy some flowers or something like that. And then what are some of your favorite like slightly bigger changes that you've made in rentals?
1: I will say one, uh, okay, I'm going to tell you two main things that make a big difference in our rooms, in our spaces, that we don't usually think about. If I were going to any house in America and they were like, you can't see it beforehand, can, you you can run and buy some supplies and then help us. <laughs> most of us have like the furniture we need. It's not always in the right place, but we have like a bed or we have a table and chairs. Um, and most of us have like some artwork that we like or some meaningful tchotchkes. Most of us do not have a lamp that we need and we do not have drapes hanging on our windows. And it does not have to be drapes from a workroom where they're silk and lined and weighted and felted and like on a rod that is on a remote control, no, no, no. To go to Ikea and buy a $35 pair of drapes and hang them correctly, so hang them kind of high. You want the the job of a drape, unless it's like a line drape that they had made in a workroom, they're, they're decorative. And so they're not really to block light, you don't really have to close them. Um, But a lot of times drapes should be hung to kind of frame the window and allow all this natural light to come in. And so think about it, like when you have your hair done really pretty, and it frames your face, that's the same as like drapes in a window. So the drapes are like the hair that frames the beautiful view or the crazy view, the natural light coming through your window, and they can magically transform a room. And so I would say, If you do not have drapes, try getting drapes, even if it means in my last house, it was a rental and there were just so many, it was a big house. There's so many windows in it. And I didn't want to buy a million pairs of drapes even from Ikea. So I went to, um, we have a store called Ollie's, it's like big lots, only Mm -hmm. lower end. (laughs) And so I bought twin-sized flat sheets, so just like that flat panel of fabric that has kind of folded over the end, and then I bought curtain rods there. The curtain rods were like $5 each, and the flat sheets were $3.99, and I cut a hole in each end of the flat sheet where that like three-inch seam, like that hem is, and I threaded that onto the rod, so each rod um, on each side of the rod was a flat sheet hanging on either side of the window, and I had four in our bedroom, so that's why I didn't want to buy a million. Right. And it was a very inexpensive way to get some window coverings, to get some drapes, to get some softness, to get some coziness up on the walls. Because think about it, especially if you're used to moving a lot or, you know, you don't want to invest in like a cozy chair and a cozy $300 rug and all of these things, softness and fabric really warms up a room, it really makes it feel homey. And so to have that up on the walls, vertically, does so much to making a room feel finished. So no matter what it is, if you're just cutting sheets to hang them on the wall, and I call that window mistreatments, I would really encourage anyone if you've never had drapes, if you've never had window treatments, find a way to do that. That is the first thing I do, or I hope to do when I get in a house, is hang drapes because to me that is the difference between feeling like we just moved in and feeling a little settled. I love that. That is such a good idea about the
0: twin sheets because so all of our window hangings in our house are, uh, like, if we have any sort of drape situation in, in any place, it's they're all from Ikea. And yeah. uh, their they're drapes are awesome. But yeah, they're, like, about $35, which is totally great unless you have to have, like, a million of them. And so that sheet idea is, I can picture that three-inch seam perfectly. That <laughs> yeah. is so, and you can totally get, like, the scratchy sheets, like, the super cheap scratchy sheets because you're not oh, laying on matter. them. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, That's amazing.
1: Well, okay, so you said a lamp, too. So what what is... What does a lamp do? Let me tell you, I know the builder put a boob light in the center of your room, Yep. (laughs) but that was him passing an inspection. That was not him saying, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is the only light you will ever need. (laughs) It is the worst lighting ever. I mean, it's fine if you like lose an earring or whatever, but to have this cozy, filtered, warm light that comes from a lamp with a fabric lampshade, people, that light will change your life. And most homes in America, I go into are really lacking the overhead light. They have a fan and they have the light and the fan is on. And so the light is like almost kind of flashing <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. And to change that up a bit and find a lamp or oh, a pair of lamps changes the lighting situation in a room. It changes like something emotional happens. Lighting really can affect um, how we feel. And so think about it. if paint affects how we feel or if paint can make a big difference, changing a light bulb or putting a lamp with a shade actually changes the color in the room and so it can change it to a warm inviting kind of a quieter feel to these pockets of lights in the evening and of course i i love to go to like i don't even buy lamps at target because they're more expensive there i love home goods it is probably my number one place to buy lamps you can get a 39 dollar lamp with the shade i have lamps in every room of my house next to the bed in the living room next to the sofa, uh, in the guest room, in my office, on my, I use a lamp at my desk, like all these different places, a lamp can be so valuable. And then even Goodwill is an amazing place to get lamps. And right now, the big thing, if you've seen on Instagram are people buying these big kind of like a jug style lamp secondhand. So just going to the Goodwill, finding something that's an interesting shape for like 2 dollars And then they're mixing mud. <laughs> they're mixing up mud and putting on the lamp like with some color and having this beautiful, it looks kind of like an Italian like olive oil jug. And it's amazing. So Right now, that is the way to go. Then you just go to Target or you go to the at-home store and you buy a shade for your lamp and you have this wonderful thing that you've made yourself that looks like a $400 lamp. Oh my, okay, I have not seen this
0: mud thing. I'm going to go look that up immediately. That is amazing.
1: Well, remind me, I'll send your link so you can put it in your show notes. Yes. things people are doing right now, they're always just amazing. And I've never bought a $400 lamp. They're, no one needs a $400 lamp. They are beautiful. But um, to be able to see, and I love anything that you can give a fresh life to. And so, yes, mud, that, mud, I'm telling you, it's crazy. Amazing. Someone once asked me, can you decorate a room for free? It was a guy. Would you say you could decorate a room for free with no money? And I was like, no, but if you have the creativity, the willpower, if you're willing to look and put in a little effort, There's a lot of stuff you can get for free. There's a lot of stuff you can redo. There's a lot of blood, sweat and tears you can put into things that you find secondhand and you can have a gorgeous, amazing room for so little money. I love, love, love that story. And I think um, even now... Especially with case goods, it's harder, like you said, it's harder to find a sofa or chair secondhand, but it still can be done. I have a lot of secondhand chairs. I have one secondhand sofa, Um, but case goods, so those uh, tables, the things made of wood, the shelves, the desks, things like that second-hand is still my ideal place to find things because not only are they less expensive, it's more work, okay? So it's you can't just go in a secondhand store and be like, I'm gonna go to the table department and pick me out my perfect ideal. I mean, we all know that. It doesn't work that way. So instead of money, you're spending time looking for those things, stopping by all the secondhand stores and hoping that one day you'll find a great deal. And the more time you're willing to put into it, the more likely you will. But when you do, the payoff is so... Amazing. And you get this piece uh, with soul that mm-hmm. has probably lasted through at least one family. So, you know, it's probably well made and, you know, it's going to stand up to wear and tear. I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate for secondhand finds. I love that. That's so cool. That's so cool.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, so I know that a lot of women, you know, we're talking about like how to do things when you don't have a ton of control over your space. But what about like not having a lot of space? Do you have thoughts on how to make a really small space, both like beautiful
1: and homey feeling and also like functional? Yes. Well, two, two tips that I keep in mind for small spaces is number one, every seat needs to be a comfortable seat. So, um, when we live in a, is you know, compared to America, we have a small house. I don't think we have a small house, 2000 square feet. And we have three, uh, boy men. They're like six feet tall. My husband's six feet tall. So it's like, you know, we're, Compared to America, it's small, but compared to us, I think it's totally fine. But uh, we just have one little corner dining room that is like our breakfast room, the homework table, the cat lane table, the folding laundry table, Um, and so when we have people over the house more than one person, some people end up sitting at the kitchen table for hours, and so I have to make sure that those seats at the table I treat them like primary seating, like just like I want my sofa to be comfortable, I cannot have uncomfortable chairs at my dining room because we rely on those for guests for so much. So that means every seat needs to count. Whereas um, the house before this, we rented, but it was a bigger house. We had a dedicated dining room. And in there, we didn't hang out. I mean, we would eat dinner, but then we were kind of done. So I could afford to have like, oh, whatever random chairs I could find that I liked that they didn't have to be the most comfortable thing in the world. But when you have a smaller space, a lot of times every seat counts. So it's kind of important for every seat to be comfortable. The next thing is, and I do this, I think you should do this no matter what size home you have, but especially if you have a small home and um, needs, you just the need for simplicity in a smaller home is greater. The need for visual quietness is a little greater, Uh, and so one thing I, I call it a desi, a It's an acronym. It stands for designated empty surface. Yippee. And so in every room, I make sure I have a designated empty surface. And a lot of times that's going to be like the most used surface in the room. So in my coffee, in my um, living room, is my coffee table. So that means I don't really style it with a bunch of decor. And I love that look. But with um, a family living there, with it getting used, especially if we have people coming over, to have to move the decor out of the way so we can put our cheese board so we can put our whatever our phones our purses our bags our feet on the coffee table I found that it actually serves me better to be empty. Same with our kitchen island. I have no decor that lives on our kitchen island. And doesn't mean my kitchen island is always cleaned off. It actually means that we use it a lot. Like it's an invitation to be used. But what I found is if I have every surface in my house, like really styled up and decorated and a cute vignette, which listen, I love a cute vignette. I love tchotchkes. But when I do that, and then I have, Extra people in my house, there's no room for them to put their bag, their journal, their coffee mug, whatever it is. And so some empty surfaces will serve you extra, extra well, especially in a smaller home. I love that. I love
0: that. You, um, you have a, a book called cozy minimalist, right? I do. So what does that mean? Cause I feel like you sort of just touched on it. I have, a, I have a feeling they're, they're connected, but I would love to hear like that phrase, cozy minimalist, those things seem like they're opposites,
1: don't they? I know that's why I love it. Okay, so I mentioned that first book. I only tell you the order of the books I wrote just because they're almost like they're almost like a trilogy. I know that sounds ridiculous. So the first one is um, the tagline was "It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful." So it's really about when you're living in imperfect circumstances, which honestly is all of us. And so, kind of working through that and thinking about creating beauty in the midst of an imperfect circumstance in the midst of an imperfect home. So then the next phase was, okay, I'm, I'm okay with my house, but how do I actually make decorating decisions? And so cozy minimalist, and I was about like, first of all, I was really drawn to the minimalist stuff, but then I noticed as I was reading minimalist blogs, I would be lounged on my sofa with my cat and my three pillows and my cute throw and my fluffy uh, sandals and all of these things. I'm like, well, I love minimalism, but I also love pretty things like where, Where do people like me fit? And so I started talking about cozy minimalism, which is about getting the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff. And so I still want drapes on my wall. I still want a rug on my floor. I still want a lamp next to my bed. I still want to throw a pillow on the sofa, but I want just enough to get that cozy, welcoming feeling. I don't want to go overboard. I don't want to be uh, wasteful for that. But I think there's a lot of grace there. And minimalists are actually really graceful people. (laughs) Um, just to make the, the decisions based on what how my home needs to work for my season of life for my family how your home needs to work for your season of life and maybe your stuff threshold. Uh, some of us just need to be surrounded by a few more things and mementos and color and stuff. And some of us really need to be surrounded by less. And so Cozy Minimalist Home walks you through step-by-step decorating a room from top to bottom with keeping uh, the more style less stuff in mind. And so we talk about furniture arrangement and the surfaces, the seating, the storage that you need. And then we work through the layers. And that came from Honestly, me moving 14 times and getting into a house, you know, that question you asked earlier about like, what was the first, th- what's the first thing if you could only do one thing and it was hang drapes. But it used to be, I would get into a house, let's say it's moving day, we move our furniture in and I would be like, okay, I really want this house to feel homey. So I would get my keys out and start putting like a vase and candlesticks. I would start putting stuff on surfaces and that never quite served me well. It was putting a lot of expectation on my tchotchkes to kind of hold the decorating, um, and hold my style and carry that for me where really what I needed was to make sure that my sofa was in the right place. I needed drapes to kind of cozy up the room. And when you're, when you don't have maybe a rug on the floor, when you don't have drapes, when you don't have a lamp, then your room can feel really hollow and empty. And if the only tool in your arsenal to cozy it up is to go to Target and buy stuff for your mantle, you're going to find yourself buying more and more small little things. I would go to the Goodwill and I'd be like, well, here's a cute vase and here's a cute clock and here's sweet little wall art. And I buy all these little things because I didn't want to invest in something larger. But over time, I was actually losing money because I would buy lots and lots of little small things. I would get them home. My surfaces would be cluttered with small stuff. And then I would wonder my, why my house didn't feel right. It was because I needed drapes or it was because I needed a table and I was like not investing in the thing we actually needed, which was just go find a table that's the right size. Or, you know, we needed a rug on the floor and it needed to cozy up the room. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, that's so helpful. Do you, what do we, you know,
0: if we are, I, all of us are working on a budget, you know, like none of us have unlimited, like, I don't think there's anyone listening who's about to go buy a. coffee table. So, knowing that we all are ladies on a budget, where should we spend money? Like, what are things that we can invest in, whatever that looks like for us, that will pay off in like longevity and also like, I don't know, enjoyment or use or like, yeah, where should we be the budget we have? Where
1: should we be spending it? Well, I definitely like to have a nice mattress (laughs) and and that's hard to find secondhand. So usually you're going to have to spend money on a mattress. Usually I have to spend money on a sofa. Not always. I have found one secondhand sofa for $100, a leather sofa. Um, And I'll tell you with Facebook Marketplace right now, it is the place to find furniture. So I even wouldn't say you have to spend a lot on a sofa. I do think almost every room Uh, like if every family room, every bedroom could use a rug, even if it has carpet and I promise you it will make a difference in your life. And so I will say, I think it doesn't mean you have to buy an expensive rug, but a rug, the right size, which is a rug that will go under at least the front feet of your main seating in that room, which is why order matters. You want to get your furniture arranged first before you buy a rug that means you have to have furniture first before you buy a rug so we don't buy the rug and then go shopping for furniture we make sure our furniture is in place and then when you're ready for the next step you get the rug and so i am a big proponent of a rug but i've had i have 200 dollar rugs off of amazon in my house and my house has been in Better Homes and Gardens. It's been featured in all these magazines. My my room with the sheets on the bed was also in Better Homes and Gardens. So it's not about like, well, it's going to look real cheap if you do that. No, no. You can make things look amazing. But it's really hard to have a room that feels finished if you don't have drapes, if you don't have a rug, uh, if you don't have lighting. So these things actually work. I never would tell someone to buy something that they don't need. Um, but the reason that designers like rugs is because they work magic- they bring a room together like almost nothing else. And if you've never had a rug, especially if you have hard floors, but I am a big believer of putting rugs over carpet because of what they do to a room. And so if you've never bought a rug before, Go someplace local where you can return it easily, but try out that rug. And so to me, that is a, usually a place where you have to put a couple hundred dollars or if your mom has a rug that she's done with, or you can find something on Facebook Marketplace, that is good too. Um, but that's something I always, always budget for is the rug in a bedroom, in a living room. Okay, that's awesome. And,
0: and I love that you said, you know, I mean, a mattress, yes, and a couch. That's been, ever since my free couch, couches have been the thing that we like, actually invest in because I spend so like I have an office but I spend all of my work day on couches you know I mean it's it's where we hang out a lot of times it's where we eat dinner don't judge and so I, like we spend so much of our time on couches and so having like a really good comfy one and one that looks good and it takes up so much of the room so that makes sense and, and I currently uh, I'm trying to figure out how to decorate our nursery we have two little girls on the way And, um, I have no idea. Like I, I have no vision for it. I've been all over Pinterest. I just can't figure out what I want to do. And I wasn't, it has carpet and I wasn't thinking of doing a rug. And I think you just changed my mind. So
1: I'm really grateful for that. (laughs) Let that carpet boss us. And when you get to put a rug over it, now you get to be the boss of that room. Oh, I like being the boss. That's awesome. (laughs)
0: Um, so I know that you have a brand new book called Welcome Home, A Cozy Minimalist Guide to Decorating and Hosting All Year Round. And I know that, you know, fall is here and I would love to hear like, what is, I know that you talk about this a lot, like how to kind of change over your spaces in different seasons. And at the beginning, you know, we talked about how just a small change is sometimes all we need. What does it look like to kind of change over, like, how can we infuse different seasons into our homes without like buying a whole bunch of extra junk or tchotchkes or, you know, breaking the budget, things like that?
1: Yes. Well, here's the thing. Every book comes out of a frustration. And so for me, the frustration that made me want to write Welcome Home was um, my favorite place to hang out, which was Instagram. And seeing uh, photo after photo, especially come October, of these homes, beautiful homes, with like 87 pumpkins on the front porch or all these pumpkins spilling down the stairs. And so there was – and it was beautiful. I liked the photo. like I double-tapped. I literally liked the photo. (laughs) I love looking at inspirational photos like that. I love fall. I love decorating. I love pumpkins. But after seeing and being bombarded with image after image of almost like seeing someone's mantle decorated – And not knowing if it was a store where they were selling fall decor, or if it was like an actual mantle, where they're supposed to have a fire in the fireplace, but there's three baskets with fall pillows and new artwork, like everything, every single thing in the photo was fall related, like they're, they changed the artwork out. Yeah. (laughs) And so I just thought, okay, it was, it's very easy for me to get myself wrapped up in that. And I knew that if I went down that road, then that meant I have a part-time job every September of getting out five fall bins and getting out all my fall decor that was factory made and setting that on the mantel and on the tables and on the porch and on the surfaces for a couple of weeks and then packing that all up and doing that all again come winter. And I just felt like there could be a better or a different way. It's not even a better way. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with any of that. Like I know those women love fall and they want to be inspirational. I think it's wonderful, but that is not the only way. That is not the one way. If you want to honor the season, if you love fall, it doesn't mean you have to have piles of pretend pumpkins coming down your stairs. And so I really (laughs) wanted to think about what is, what is another way to do this? And I found that most of us, and when I say that, it's because of me. Okay. So I found that I (laughs) was really, really 100% focusing on the visual, the visual. Everything was visual. Everything had to be like actual literal decor that was visual. And when you, when we go outside, it's not, I mean, God uses a visual, but there, you feel the temperature, you hear the birds, you smell uh, the leaves that are burning next door because the, they've fallen from the trees. Like there are so many things happening with all of our five senses. And then something happens. We come in our house and we're like, everything has to be visual. It has to be literal. We I have to have a pillow that says welcome fall or else it's not a fall <laughs> pillow. So to bring that and to apply how God decorates into our home and really work through the five senses. So I would say now what I do is visual is last. So when it is time for seasonal, and I do really slow transitions. Um, so right now we're transitioning from summer into fall. Is it still 90 degrees out? Yes. But if if I am only waiting for a temperature change to trigger fall, like that's not how it works in nature at all. I mean, it doesn't even snow at my house in the winter. So if I waited yeah. for snow, I would never get to decorate for winter. Yeah. Um, so... I start with a sense and the senses that aren't visual. So maybe uh, the sense of smell. And I think, you know what? I'm going to start layering in my home a fall scent. And that could be a room spray, that could be a diffuser, um, you know, mixing my oils to make a beautiful fall scent, that could be my favorite candle, whatever it is. So I start adding these layers. And I never ever start with the visual decor, I always do that last. Um, And then maybe thinking about the feel of fall in my home. So of course, you know, fall, we are going to be a little cozier. I'm going to change out my thin little throw on the sofa to like a really, I have like a couple fur, pretend fur throws. Mm-hmm. So I might bring that out. I might change out my pillow covers to something that feels a heavier fabric or maybe even um, something that is like super nubby or super um, burlappy or whatever that is. So just find different ways in my home to change up what we feel. Maybe I'll put the flannel sheets on the bed as we get more into fall, Uh, thinking about what we hear. So I have a playlist for every season of the year. And so I really encourage people to make a playlist because hearing and the sounds that we hear in our home, a lot of us play music anyway, but to change that up for the season, it really kind of sets the tone. Uh, And then even like what we're cooking, what we're making, what we're uh, tasting. So I think about like, oh, maybe I'll get my coffee creamer that is uh, my pumpkin coffee creamer. Maybe I'll set up the uh, cider bar in the house. Or maybe I just know that I'm going to be cooking. I'm going to roast vegetables this fall. Do I have a pan to roast vegetables? Do I have soup bowls so I can have soup? Do I have a bread knife? So I can cut a loaf of bread that I picked up from the farmer's market. And so really thinking about seasonal supplies instead of visual decor uh, helps me have things that last more than just a couple weeks in September. And then lastly, I see what's missing. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to go to the farmer's market. And instead of buying 23 little cute little pumpkins, I have to pack up because they're plastic and I'm gonna keep them every year. I'll buy one big glorious pumpkin from the farmer's market and I call it my statement pumpkin <laughs> And that is kind of all I need. And I always go out to the yard and pull in branches or dried leaves. I mean, oh, a million things like that. But to have things that I don't have to pack up. My goal is to never have to pack up my fall stuff. And I don't anymore. I can throw it out to the chickens or I throw the branches back out to the woods. It's consumables. It's candles that I've burnt down. It's food that I've eaten. It's moving on to the next playlist. And so to not have to pack that up, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. Glenn, like I am so like, I'm, I am so inspired.
0: I feel like everyone is, you guys, you have to send us photos of like what you do or like you enjoying your candle and your cider and all these things. That is the most helpful seasonal thing. I mean, I have, I always like kind of get confused and stuck, you know, as a season changes because I want it to feel different, but yeah, I'm like, you know, buying a whole bunch of tchotchkes that like, I don't even like, and that just makes such a difference. Right. Do you, for just the women listening who are like, you know, I want to make my space my own.
1: Do you have just any like last piece of encouragement for them? Hmm. I would say be really graceful for yourself. Home is never finished and, um, small changes make a big difference love that I love that Michael and thank you so much for being here I absolutely love your work
0: I'm such a huge fan of yours and they just thank you so much for walking us through this and for being here today
1: it was so fun I feel like we could talk all day I wish I could come help you with your nursery right now I know (laughs) I'm
0: like okay so I'm in Nashville here's my address please come over thank you
1: (laughs) Listen, make that dedicated Pinterest board all about nurseries and don't have any expectation on yourself. I just want you to pin nurseries that you love and don't ask why and do that for a while and then take a break and go back and you'll begin to get inspired. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. I can do that. I can do that. Michael, and seriously, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And we're going to link to everything, all of your books in the show notes. Um, I know that my women are going to be flocking to you and just learning so much. And so, yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank you. It was really fun.
0: Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode it's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast you never have to go looking for it again your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released the other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave us a rating and a review for the podcast the way that itunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews that's how we invite new friends to our girls nights So would you do me a huge favor and take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who have already left so many beautiful five-star reviews already. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.